Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inquiries and Theories. I'm Jessica. I'm Bonnie. I'm Lori. And we will be discuss- discussing queer baiting, what is it, where we've seen it, and how harmful it can be. So queer baiting is a term which refers to authors, writers, or showrunners show attempting to attract an LGBTQ audience by hinting at same-sex relationships between characters, though they're never actually consummated. You've probably seen examples of queer baiting in some of your favorite TV shows. For example, Sherlock, Supernatural, Riverdale, Once Upon a Time, and probably many more. You can also see it in some movies like Pitch Perfect 3 or Pitch Perfect 2. And you can probably definitely point some out in literature. For example, which I'm very (laughs) sad about, but still, J.K. Rowling and Dumbledore's preferences. So let's talk about one of the shows, um, Sherlock. So with Sherlock, it's very unsubtle, like super in your face about it. Their landlady assumes they're together and that's why she gives them the flat. And there's a couple like funny moments where they're like, oh, you guys are together? And they're like, no, no, at the same time, it's pretty funny. That's Sherlock and Watson. (laughs) Yeah, it's so... (laughs) And they both, like, deny it at the same time. It's so funny. Um, there's an episode, it's called A Scandal in Bohemia, where a character called Irene Adler, uh, she shows up and she has a crush on Sherlock. And she kind of plays as a beard for Sherlock and Watson. Because it kind of... Really? She gets, like, yeah, she gets, like, between them. And it makes it seem like they're just not together, which is good for them, because they're not. But Watson actually gets really jealous of Irene. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's spending more time with I actually Sherlock. remember this episode, yeah. yeah. Irene is, like, she's kind of, like, sexualized, like, throughout the yeah, show. Yeah, she's, like, naked in a room waiting for Sherlock. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. He kind of just, like, I don't know, his expressions in that, he just was, like, okay, <laughs> continue on. I mean, I hope, I'm, I kind of hope that he's, like, oh, man, I wish you were Watson. Uh, <laughs> but it's just interesting to see, like, what the writers did, like, yeah. uh, how he reacts. Because, like, his actions or his reactions are strange or or could be considered strange, I guess. Um, but, like, you could also point it up to, oh, that's just Sherlock. That's just how he works. Well, I kind of hoped that what he liked about her was that she was really smart. Because, mm-hmm. like, there was the whole I'm Sherlock thing. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I actually, like, like that pairing, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because I never, like, I don't know. I never really thought of... Sherlock and Watson together like I know like it like I saw stuff about it on um the internet and just like I was like oh that's cute but I don't think that's gonna happen so and then like I like when we saw the episode about Irene I was like oh she's really smart like she like gets his quirks and like I think that that would work they do seem very good together Mm -hmm. so a show similar to Sherlock um, would be Supernatural, which I don't have too much experience on. If I'm admitting, I've only seen like the first five episodes <laughs> um, and maybe like a few scattered episodes. I do know that there's the Dean and Castiel shipping, which mm-hmm. um, Supernatural profits from because there's a lot of fangirls for that. Yeah, I I haven't even seen like hardly any of the show, but I definitely know <laughs> there's... I. 
know about the Destiel ship, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, it's it's the angel and then the brother. Well, like, okay, there's a Scooby-Doo Supernatural episode coming out, and mm-hmm. it's just supposed to be Dean and the other one. Uh-huh. Um, but Castiel just tags along, probably for some possible ship material to come along. So does, in Supernatural, like, does the franchise create, like, things that you can buy based off of the ship? Yes, they do. They want to, yeah, they're making the money on that. Uh-huh. That's, like, a prime example of, like, queer baiting and, like, one of the things that comes out of queer baiting and shows is that a show or producers or, like, writers typically, like, write things in, um, like, like, to attract, like, LGBT audiences or just even, like, the regular audience and make it seem like, oh, this couple could be together. <laughs> and then they, like, make ship merchandise mm-hmm. off of that. It's just capitalizing, like, on the queer community, basically. I mean, because it's, like, can we make more money, like, including queer characters? Or can we make more money based off of the ship that, like, people have, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so many people are fans of? Yeah, and it's unhealthy. Like, Like, why would you do that? Like, why can't you make it canon, you know? Right. And sometimes I wonder, because... They don't intend to let those characters ever kiss, I don't think, usually. Mm-hmm. And I, I ship things. Am I part of the problem? <laughs> yeah, they do stuff with uh, characters that, like, hint at a possible mm-hmm. uh, queer relationship, like, gazing longingly into each other's eyes for a few I moments. I think Sherlock and, and Watson get, like, tied together, and they're like, mm-hmm. it's all right. awkward and tension. And- well, and I think that there's, like, I'm not sure on this, but I think that there's, like, a thing, like, in the beginning of Supernatural that hints at Castiel, like, maybe being bisexual, but mm-hmm. then they don't, like, Explore ever address that. it or, yeah, like, yeah, in that's any kind way. Of the, the same with Dean. They don't, like, outright say, like, he's straight. Or he's gay or he's bi. They don't. Right. So it can still be a question mark. So, like, it's still possible to make money off of the ship, but, like, you don't actually have to, like, lose a conservative audience because of, like, like, actually making it canon. As soon as Watson got married in Sherlock, how do I say it? Ratings? Yeah, like, the queer baiting had to stop as soon as he got kind of married, or Mm -hmm. did get married. So things kind of sloped downwards Mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, like, with, like, Supernatural, they kind of, like, like you were saying, like, they kind of leave it open just maybe so they can profit off that. And they're, they're what? And they're, like, nine, ten? I don't know how many there's seasons. There's quite a few. There's, there's a lot of seasons. <laughs> but, like, they kind of just keep it open just maybe so they can do that and just mm-hmm. still profit off that, which, I mean. It's like so unfair. <laughs> like, it feels like. The rug is just ripped out from under you every time. And it's just, like, it's not like a show needs a relationship to survive, but, like, when you're profiting off of that so-called right. relationship, I think that's a little bit of and a problem. And there's more, like, five, more than, like, five examples of they could be together, but are they? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we also see that, like, in another show, uh, Riverdale. With, oh, yeah, very recent. Yeah, so, I mean, no spoilers, because this is very early, like, in the first season, I think, but... Uh, there are two characters, Betty and Veronica, and they're, like, supposed to be, like, best friends. And so, like, Veronica moves to Betty's school and they meet. They're, like, trying out for cheerleading together. And they have, like, this super random kiss, like, in the middle of cheerleading practice. It's just, like, completely, like, unaddressed, like, at mm-hmm. any other point in the show. And I think, like, Veronica initiates it um, as a way to, like 
um, because one of the other characters, Cheryl, um, who's the head cheerleader, the like little badass of the school, <laughs> um, she's like, well, I don't think Betty can really join the team. She doesn't have the fire or whatever, what we're right. looking for per se. But, and then, like, Veronica's like, okay, well, here's this, and, and like, right. grabs uh, Betty. and Is that like somehow fire enough? Just, you know. Right, that's what, I mean, it's so, and, like, the only other time it's ever mentioned is, like, later, Betty is, like, having sex with this person who will remain unnamed, because, like, no spoilers, but uh, she says that one time her and Veronica kissed, and it's just, like, a very, like, it's a moment where I'm like, okay, like, do they only kiss to, like, turn boys on? Or, like, what? I mean, that just feels so, like... Well, because if I was that guy, I'd be like, I don't want to hear about your past relationships. This is right, but it time. wasn't even a relationship. It was just, like, yeah. such a random thing. And then there's, like, there was a quote that I found from the actress who plays Betty, uh, Lily Reinhardt. And she's talking about the ship, which is, like, Betty and Veronica, which is, like, really big. And she says... They're soulmates in a friend's way. Our show is not meant to be fan fiction. We give them a, ta- a taste of it when they kiss, but that's all it is. People love Veronica and they want to see them together, but that's just not our show. So that just like, feel, I mean, why they kiss? Yeah, but then why do you market it that way? Yeah. Right. It's just to like to get people to watch it. Like, and she says our show is not meant to be fan fiction. So like, okay, whenever there are lesbians, is it always fan fiction? Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that's real life. Like, yeah, that's. I think we can all agree misrepresentation on that. and like, it's kind of offensive in a way. Right. No, for sure. And it's just like. That's not what their characters are supposed to be like, because, like, like, the Archie comics have been around for a while, and, like, Betty and Veronica, like, they're frenemies, that's the yeah. word, frenemies, and they, like, they kind of fight over Archie a little, and, and things are different, but, like, and, like, the show's different, and, like, the characters are, like, different in a, in a good way, but, like, why bring this in? Like, yeah. why was it necessary? No, like, I'm unfamiliar with um, Riverdale, but I know Archie, like uh-huh. the comics. Mm-hmm. You guys know how Archie dies in the comics, right? Archie dies? What? what? <laughs> so he gets in front of a bullet. A guy's trying to shoot his gay friend. Is that gay oh, friend Kevin. in the show? Is he? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is A lot of people are shipping Archie and Kevin because of that, but it's like, I think Archie dies. So. Oh, well, there's like no hint of that so far okay, in the show. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a different thing. Yeah. Like, there is representation in the show. Yeah, um, there definitely is. I think that people should this should not deter people from oh, watching. Oh it's no, a no, really no! Good show, it but. is a great show. Um, and like there is representation. Like we do have uh, Kevin, who is um, out and gay in this small little town, um, and they he does develop a relationship with um, another character in the show. Um, and then like within the second season, uh, season, <laughs> you see a little more representation that. And it, it's good. <laughs> it's a big spoiler. But, but. <laughs> I I think, like, even though there is representation with Kevin, like, within the first season, I don't think he's given enough storyline. For sure. He's not even a main character. And, like, his relationship exists to further the plot, which is, like, such a classic and it's move. Be- and it's because he's the sheriff's son. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, like, the sheriff has a lot of pool. And then, like, of course, like, he has a lot of pool. And Betty and him are friends. Like, 
And the first episode, you see them in Betty's room and looking into Archie's room. (laughs) (laughs) But going on, like, from TV shows, uh, we can talk about, like, some movies, like uh, Pitch Perfect 3 and Pitch Perfect 2. Um, I know in Pitch Perfect 2 trailers, there was uh, signs of Anna Kendrick's character, Becca, I guess, gushing over one of the German group girls, like, one Mm -hmm. of her lead singers, and, like, you could tell, like, she, like, liked her, and she, like, was, like, curious. She's, like, what am I saying? Like, what am I doing? And, um, so that was kind of interesting, but then, like, actually watching the movie, there was, like, nothing from the, those trailers in there. Right, and there's, like, such a hint, too, of, like, Becca, and then, like, I don't know, I forget the The other character's name. Yeah, Yeah. that one, like, in her, like... The one who got her to join. Yeah. Right, yeah, and, like, throughout the entire thing, there's just, like, this whole, like, will-they-won't-they relationship, but it never, like, is addressed or, like, has anything to do with the story or, like, becomes anything, like, ever. I mean, in the first movie, she comes into uh, Becca's shower naked. Right. (laughs) After, I think she had just had sex with a guy a couple styles down. Yeah, and just starts singing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, even the trailers, there is, like, a trailer where they're about to kiss. And then Mm -hmm. Anna Kendrick, like, turns towards the camera and she says, like, swipe up for more. It's, like, a Snapchat thing or what. But, like... I mean, one, that just feels kind of porny. And, like, two, that's just, like, so unfair to anybody. Like, I mean, because nothing happens. Yeah, and it's definite science of queer baiting because, like, even in the movies, like, there are, like, um, queer characters, like, within the groups and, like, reputation Mm -hmm. in the movies. But, like, just using those trailers, like, with, like, false, like, relationship tactics or developments that may or may not happen and then you go and watch the movie thinking oh like they're finally gonna do it or like they're gonna finally bring them together and then they just don't like that's definite queer baiting right there (laughs) um and then another one we can talk about like in literature um jk rowling and the harry (laughs) potter series yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know i know i'm a definite like harry potter fan and i love jk rowling and like what she does like she has a bunch of organizations and stuff but one thing she did do is like after like the series was over she announced um oh yeah Dumbledore was gay like did you guys not like know that pick that up yeah it was just like announced in such a way that was like oh yeah like of course he is but like when there was literally no mention of it in the books at all I didn't know if she thought we all just had like super good gaydars to pick up right like (laughs) like I guess, like, some things could be taken, like, oh, maybe he is, but, like, it's very, like, yeah. Like, he's not even, like, one of the main characters. Like, half the time he isn't even in the no, book. Yeah, he's. <laughs> right. Um, but, like, she, uh, J.K. Rowling, has, like, a prime opportunity at the new Fantastic Beasts 2 movie where she can, or where the producers and she can explicitly show, like, Dumbledore being openly gay. Right, him and, um, like, Grindelwald's relationship and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And she's, like, I, I believe, like, in an interview, like, she was, like, oh, that's that's not really even a thing or Well, something. the producers, like, of the film said that he's not going to be explicitly gay in the movies, which is, like, so crazy. When J.K. Rowling said that he was... <laughs> okay. I don't... Then it just feels like a grab. Like, whenever she was, like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore's gay, like... That just feels like a grab at, like, money from 
the queer community. Like, that's what it Yeah, no, definitely. Like, like, how can you say one thing and then just, like, completely ignore it when you have the prime opportunity to, like, further it and right. develop it? So, like, talking about all those shows and the movies and the literature, we can talk about, like, some of the harmful effects of queer fading. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking a lot about, like, the way that audiences identify with characters in, like, movies and TV shows. And Mm -hmm. I was, like, reading a few articles just about, like, uh, especially whenever you're, like, kind of trying to discover your identity, like, Mm -hmm. or, like, exploring your identity, like, as a person, you know, when you're young, like, a teenager, watching TV is a really good outlet because you're able to kind of like try on different like characters and like when you're watching them, you're able to identify with them and like explore like what it would be like to live that kind of life and like just the lack of representation Mm -hmm. for the queer community is like so harmful because there's nowhere to identify. I mean, even if you see a character and you think like, oh, maybe they're queer, like once you use queer baiting to just like never make any kind of relationship happen that's just like so harmful like you're never able to like fully I like realize your identity you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and like I read an article that said it's especially hard like for queer people because if you're another like say racial minority like a lot Mm -hmm. of times you still have your parents that you can identify with but like being queer you might not necessarily have queer parents that's just a really difficult thing I think Mm -hmm. And there's a quote um, from an article uh, by Emma Norton uh, called uh, From Queer Reading to Queer Baiting, the Battle over the Polysemic Text and the Power of um, (laughs) Hemeronautics. But there's a quote in it um, after she's talking about like um, a show, uh, Once Upon a Time, which I also watch, um, and criticizing it and like um, the representation of like... um, the queer characters and will they won't they and like the building up of like the bonds between like female characters but um the quote is um you and I both know that my gay feminist reading is not at all the intention of its creators and that's what's actually happening on the screen is a lot less friendly to an lgbtq audience the thing is representation matters and one of the worst things that this kind of narrative does is that it expects an lgbtq audience to be satisfied with the bare minimum and I think that, like, says a lot, um, especially, like, a harmful thing about queer baiting is that, like, the LGBTQ community is just expected to be just, like, okay with, like, this little representation that, like, goes no further. Right, because it has to be, like, right down the middle. You can't appeal to queer audiences while also, like, appealing to a conservative audience. So, like, it's really about making the most money possible. Mm-hmm. And then, like, going into that about making the most money possible, like, um, the capitalizing on, like, these shows and, like, these so-called relationships and whatnot. I believe you were talking about uh, commodification of the queer identity. Yeah, I just feel like that's such a relevant thing now. Like, especially, I mean, when you think about, like, sometimes it feels like pride, especially, is, like, very in you know, like nowadays, which is just like, Mm -hmm. kind of dangerous, because I think there are a lot of like companies and like, I mean, even, you know, shows like people who produce shows that are able to appeal to like a queer audience, but not like actually do anything to help or like provide any kind of representation. Like, it's so easy to like have like a quirky commercial or like have, you know, like a filter on your Facebook profile. But like, 
what is that actually even doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that bring to the community? Well, like, yeah, because at Pride, companies will just have a booth there and give you free stuff. But what is that doing? Yeah, like, what, does that like does that help like the community in any way? Like, why why are you just handing out stuff? Like, right. are you just trying to? promote your business on a big event that's about like celebrating who you are and which I get promoting but at the same time yeah. like are you doing it for the right reasons yeah yeah and do you actually believe in what you're like doing and yeah. why you're there right yeah because I mean I just saw like an infographic like based off of I think it was like the 2008 census or something so it's like a little outdated but it said that there is an 800 billion dollar buying power from the queer community which is like huge now you know and like I mean a lot of people like aren't gonna want to spend their dollars you know in a company that's not supporting them and so like whenever you see a commercial or like a Facebook filter or whatever you like oh well I'll support that company but like the company might not even be doing anything to help the queer community they're just like capitalizing on your money Mm -hmm. yeah definitely there are just like a lot of companies or it was just like even like you said like Facebook stuff like like capitalizing on like the LGBTQ community um and I think part of the like like the Facebook thing I think it's just easy for people to just put a border around their picture and be like oh I you know I support this I'm helping but are you actually like what are you actually like doing to help the community right And it's just, like, going back to those shows, it just, like, also capitalizes on that. And the fact that, like, producers or writers are, like, making money off that, it just, it's, it just sucks. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, even though there's that, like, negative representation of, like, um, queer characters in, like, shows and movies and stuff, there also are, like, some shows and movies that have definite like positive representation yeah for sure Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh my <laughs> goodness it's so good it's like the it's so funny it's the show about uh these cops and they're like in the like 99th precinct uh, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn yeah and I feel like it's a really good representation it's it's such a great show and not only does it like have a good representation of queer characters but it just has a good representation of like what's going on in the world today, uh, family, co-workers, um, you know. (laughs) It's so relevant, and it's Mm -hmm. not, like, it doesn't feel like it's trying to, like, capitalize on you, like, watching it. It feels like they're really, like, trying to address, like, current social issues, you know. I know, like, um, in one of the more recent series, uh, one of the main characters um, came out um, as being bi, and they had like, a very tough uh, time just, like, even saying it to uh, one of their dear friends. But, like, after saying it, like, uh, they felt so relieved. But, like, even just, like, coming out to that one friend, like, prompted them to come out to the rest of their coworkers. And, like, they all supported them. And then, like, it even goes further as to give a whole episode to them and, like, coming out to their family because um, their family has, like, certain, like, religious values or or whatnot that like Mm -hmm. doesn't really accept Mm -hmm. that and so they had to find a way to like come out to their family and like be accepted and just like you know go on yeah but it didn't like the coming out like it felt like really real and like personal instead of like 
like voyeuristic you know what I mean yeah no 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 I definitely see what you're saying and like even like it goes on to show like that not everyone in their family was accepting yeah and that like even though like they like weren't shunned it like it wasn't a complete like perfect kind of like yeah um and I think that just like it shows like some of the representation that some shows just don't and I think that's really cool um I definitely love that show. It's great. (laughs) I want to see it eventually. Yes, definitely watch it. It's so good. And then, like, you were talking about Orange is the New Black, right? Yes. Um, Orange is the New Black, I'm kind of on the fence about, mostly because it's in jail, so there's lots of Mm -hmm. lesbian sex pandering. Right. (laughs) But Laverne Cox's story, uh, what's her name in the show? I have not seen it, so I I don't remember. But she's uh, transgendered. And the way they tell her story in Orange is the New Black is just, I cried several times. Aww. It's very sweet. I think eventually they like, well, that might be a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but there is good representation. Yes, it's very, it's very positive. Okay, good. And like, does it show like their story? Yes, it does. Um, because she has a son and an ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And I guess her son doesn't fully understand and her wife's weirded out or ex-wife is weirded out about it and Mm -hmm. well not weirded out just unsure of how to explain it to her Mm -hmm. son Mm -hmm. and um at one point she like some of the prisoners are really mean to her like Mm -hmm. i guess they they write like a guy or like transvestite or something and they're just really mean to her but she owns the hair salon in the prison she's rad Yeah, um, and there are definitely, like, other shows, like uh, The Fosters, for example, very good representation, uh, main couple, uh, lesbian couple, um, one of their sons that they eventually adopt um, comes out as gay, has a hard time doing that, and, like, it even goes into, like, um, being transgender and, like, um, dating, like, um, as a transgender and the effects of, of that. I wish we could talk more, but I think we're a little past our limit, so... We're going to sign off. Again, I'm Jessica. I'm Bonnie. I'm Lori. And have a great day.